Caleb Love had his most complete game as a Tar Heel and joined the 1,000-point club, but it was another Carolina player who had his breakout performance that has me seeing a brighter future for this team. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, November 25th, 2022. All the turkeys put away and hopefully you got a nap in. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to welcome you into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. Please don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. You can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Woo! Exciting show today. Both the Carolina men and the Carolina women won their first game up in Portland in the Phil Knight Invitational. The women had a great victory over the 18th ranked team in the nation, Oregon, and the men over Portland. Um, And then I need to get you ready for tomorrow or today's game at this point over Iowa State in the second round of the PKI. But before we get there, I want to recap the Thanksgiving victory over Portland some big picture takeaways and you know we got to get to the four corners recap and the shady stat of the game man this was uh, I, I was still cooking and, and getting the day ready when this game tipped off it was a, a fun Thanksgiving day game against an experienced Portland team returning over 90 percent of its scoring from last year those teams don't just happen right and so you knew it was going to be a pesky and good opponent. Now, I'll say though, for the Tar Heels side of things, before I get into a couple big, bigger picture takeaways, I think Carolina kind of sleepwalked their way through this, uh, through this win. And perhaps literally because listen, I've made excuses for all five of these first um, beginning of season wins and why they haven't been perhaps the more lopsided victories you would expect. And I'm going to do so again, and maybe you don't love that, but it's where we're at. For me, it has to do with the fact that it was an early tip. It's 10 a.m. Eastern time. I know it was 1 p.m. for the players' bodies, right? Used to being on Eastern time, but it's a 10 a.m. local tip. It's Thanksgiving Day. You're on the West Coast against an opponent who is in their natural time zone, not to mention it's your first game of the season away from the Smith Center. And so to me, that adds up to it's not going to be a perfect experience in this game for a multitude of those reasons. As for what Carolina is going to be, I want to fully reserve judgment until we see a, a, a couple games against power five opponents which we're going to get the opportunity to do over the rest of this weekend and into next week and the weekend after. And so um, let's hold tight on that. We're going to put a pin in figuring out what we see in this. And and as for this game, the offense wasn't the problem as it kind of has been at sometimes 1.25 points per possession. It was the defense that's been going well. That was the problem. 1.13 points per possession allowed to Portland as they were just bombing from the outside. Now, where I want to really go with this overarching look at the game before we get to the four corners recap is this. On Thursday's show, if you checked it out, and hopefully you did, if not, go back and listen to that, I gave 
four specifics that I was looking for from the Tar Heels. And what I want to do is look back and say, in each of those areas, how did Carolina grade out? I'm just going to give them a, a school grade A through F. And so you ready? Let's go through it. There are four things. Number one, I said that for Carolina to start doing what we need them to do, Armando has to be Armando. He has to follow up what he did against James Madison with another big game. How did he do? I'm going to give him a B plus. He had a double-double, a dub-dub, as I like to call them, 11 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, it took him to late in the game to do so. There was a dunk off an assist from, I believe it was Leaky to get over the hump on points. So that's back-to-back games now. Tied for second in Carolina history with 51 career dub-dubs. Um, but, you know, there were some other things that kind of kept it from being an A performance or an A-plus performance. He was just three for eight from the free throw line. Armando had been trending towards getting over that 70% hump. Didn't do it. He uh, Portland double-teamed him quite relentlessly throughout the game. Uh, it, was a, it was a great defensive plan, and he had some difficulty with it. He... He forced some things with it um, and, and wasn't necessarily always making decisive actions, had four turnovers in the game. And so I, I said that Armando needed to be Armando. We're going to give a B plus on that one. Number two, I said RJ and Caleb need to combine to make 40% of their threes in this game. I'm going to give that one an A. It wasn't a high volume. They had seven attempts between them, but they made four of them, which is over 50%. Caleb was three for four. RJ was one for three. And so, you know what? I'll take it. And we're going to give him an A on that. You love to just see him taking strides towards being in that mid to upper 30%. Would love to see him get to 40% range as well. The third thing we had said we were watching for, for Carolina to be uh, making those steps forward was to get Puff Johnson fully worked into the mix. And that part, as part of that, I wanted to see at least 10 bench points in this game against Portland. And this is the one that grades out the worst. I'm giving it a D. Um, just nine minutes for Puff Johnson on the fully working him in. There was um, uh, just one bench player. DeMarco Dunn was the only one who had double-digit minutes played, and that was just 11. There was no bench depth in this game. Each starter had to play 32 plus minutes. Um, and so just three points for the bench had DeMarco done three in the first half. And curiously, back-to-back games now of zero minutes played for Dontrez Styles. We're going to have to keep an eye on what's going on there. Now, I know you're into a tournament scenario and, and you want to play your top players. I mean, you go look at Kansas's box score from, from their win on Thanksgiving Day as well. And it's, uh, I believe, Jalen Wilson, their stud, played a full 40-minute game. And so, listen, that's great. But just over the course of a long season, I don't think you want to see your starters doing that, especially coming off of a deep NCAA tournament run. It's not going to cut it where the bench depth is at right now. We're going to see how that goes. The fourth specific thing I talked about is uh, I wanted to see Carolina have back-to-back games of assisting on 50% of their made field goals, which is kind of a staple for the Tar Heels. And on this one, I'm going to give them an A+. It wasn't up to like the 85% against Marquette in the NCAA tournament last year or even the 78% against Baylor. But it was 54%. They assisted the Tar Heels did on 17 of their 31 field goals. Each starter had at least two assists. Um, most importantly, perhaps, 
that backcourt of Davis Love the Third. If you've been sticking with me, you know that nickname we're using uh, this season, Davis Love the Third. They had a three to one assist turnover ratio. They combined for nine assists and had just three turnovers. I will take that from these guys. It's also good to see Leaky Black getting back in the game with his assists, has back to back games of three assists now. And that's great. Now, if you're looking at historical precedents, uh, last year, Carolina had assisted on 54% of their field goals for the season. The year before that, Coach Williams last year assisted on 55% of their field goals for the season. Now they just had 54% as their season high. So there's a lot to grow and go to get up above that, but trending in the right direction for sure. You love to see that and we'll see how they continue to progress in all of those as we move into Friday's game against Iowa State. Now, folks, it's the moment you've been waiting for as you do in every game recap. It's time for the four corners recap. It's time for the shady stat of the game highlighted by a Tar Heel, as I said earlier, having a breakout performance that has me excited about what it can mean for Carolina's future this season. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by Upside. Uh, excuse me, by Underdog Fantasy, which is the easiest place to spice up this college football season. It's easy to get started and easy to play while you watch your favorite team, which we will be watching the Tar Heels against NC State this afternoon on Friday. In fact, I've created my own account with Underdog, and I'll definitely be taking the over on Drake May and Josh Downs yardage for this matchup. Now, the cool thing is you can go to Underdog and make your picks just like me. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. You just pick a couple people or teams, choose the over or under, and see how it goes. You could earn some cold, hard cash in a single game. So sign up with promo code Locked On one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the Apple Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Okay, friends, before we get to the four corners, let me remind you to make your second listen of the day, our Locked On Sports Today podcast. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only we at Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. All right, for those of you who are maybe just tuning in for the first time, after every Carolina basketball game, we do a four corners recap as an ode to Coach Dean Smith's famed offensive scheme so number one this this is the pete nance that carolina needs to reach their ceiling i talked about a breakout player and it was this dude he has been coming on and this was the game and this tells me that carolina has what they need to go as far as they want to if you get this pete nance mixed in with armando being armando the backcourt doing what they need to do leaky doing his thing and the bench filling it up boy Oh boy. Pete Nance, welcome to Chapel Hill. You, my friend, have arrived. What a great game. By the way, is everyone done bagging on him? I know the shot might not be orthodox. It might be a little bit flat, but as I've said all along, look at those historical numbers. The shot is going to start going in and boy, did it go in on Thursday afternoon. And and before we even get to those stats, I want to say 
two two other things about Pete Nance that make me so excited that we continue to see. Number one, stats aside, the leadership that he continues to display game in and game out. Here's an example. With about 12 minutes left in the game against Portland, he got fouled. And on the broadcast, you can audibly hear him say to his teammates, come here, come here, come here. And he gathers the guys around him, does the like chicken dance mouth talk thing. It says, we got to talk to his teammates. I love it. I love to see him taking the horse by the reins and going with it. Stats aside, part two, the other thing that just gives me such good excitement about Pete Nance is in many ways, Carolina is, is often throughout the game running the offense through him because he is such a good facilitator. His IQ is so high and he's just making good smart basketball plays. <clears throat> now, of course, I actually do want to talk about his stats too, because that is a huge part of this breakout. Career high tying 28 points, career high five made threes. His previous high was four. This is huge. I don't need Pete Nance to be Brady Manic level in terms of his three point volume. And he's not going to hit. I mean, this is a career high in threes. And maybe, maybe this is the new Pete Nance under a Hubert Davis green light, right? But I just need him, if he can hit like two a game, if he can average that, that's what Carolina needs from Pete Nance to match with what he can do inside. On top of that, he was seven of nine from the free throw line, had seven rebounds, two assists, just one turnover. Pete Nance, keep bringing all that. Number two on our four corners recap. This was the most complete performance Caleb Love has had as a Tar Heel. Why do I say that? It's not just about the scoring. It wasn't his highest scoring total ever. It's about all of it. It's about the scoring. It's about the decision-making, which I think is the most pivotal thing the Tar Heels need from Caleb Love is just <clears throat> not the not the several moments a game where it's just head-scratching decisions by Caleb. You need to see what he did on Thursday against Portland always. Now, let, let's not forget, he joined the 1,000-point club on Thursday, the 80th. 80th Tar Heel to do so. The most any other school has is 69. No other school in the country has even 70 1,000-point scores in their history. Man, crazy. In fact, in this game, as I watched it, and I, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it more fully, but I only saw one decision that I would quibble with with Caleb Love. There was like a, a very deep three that I thought was even deep for him. Early shot clock, it was a shot he could get at any time in the shot clock. And it was the only three-pointer he missed on the day. Outside of that, I thought he made great decisions with when to pass, when to shoot, when to penetrate, who to kick out to, how to draw defenders. Um, best decision-making I've ever seen from Caleb Love. In control, as we've talked about, he's slowing down. Uh, just love to see it because it wasn't only the best decision-making I've ever seen. It was just consistent throughout the game. Uh, a great example. There was about five... Uh, maybe six minutes left, drove, penetrated in the lane, drew in Pete Nance's defender from the wing. And a lot of times you just see him put up a floater right there. No, sir. Kicked out to Pete Nance, bucket, three-pointer. You love to see that. But it was just so efficient, Caleb Love. 23 points on 10 of 15 shooting. We've already said three of four from three. <clears throat> Along with that, he had three rebounds, four assists, just two turnovers, a block, and three steals. Caleb Love, this is a stat-stuffing, incredible game. Way to go. Number three on our Four Corners recap. 
Carolina's rebounding is finally moving in the right direction, right? Uh, we're out-rebounded. The Tar Heels were the first two games of the season, but now have out-rebounded each of their past three opponents, including plus 16 rebounding margin each of the last two. So you love to see this progression. This game against Portland was the fewest offensive rebounds allowed in a game, fewest defensive rebounds allowed in a game. So obviously the fewest total rebounds allowed in the game this season, not to mention Carolina's own offensive rebounds have gone up every game as well. Seven, eight, nine, 11, and 12. So keep going Tar Heels, keep moving the rebounding in the right direction. Fourth of our four corners recap, our guy, RJ Davis. Kind of had a quiet 13 points in this game, if we can call 13 points quiet. But there you go. And it wasn't necessarily efficient from the field for him, just 4 of 11 shooting. But again, he scored 13, a perfect 4 from four for 4 from the line, 5 assists, 1 turnover. And that's it. That's what Caleb, or excuse me, what Carolina needs R.J. Davis to be doing. Yes, there are games when he's going to need to be the guy putting the ball in the bucket. But if he can be this facilitating bucket getter with a five to one assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. Hubert Davis needs that and wants it going in and out. And for me, the, the kind of highlight of the game for RJ, there was this massive sequence in the closing minutes. Caleb got in, there was like 30 seconds left, had a two pointer, uh, just a bucket in the lane, put Carolina back up 86, 81. Then he comes up with a steal on the other end, like, chasing after a loose ball, got fouled in the action, made both free throws to put Carolina back up seven. Those are the plays you need your point guard making down the stretch to help pull out a game. How much confidence does that give you seeing your point guard do those things? And of course, we got to finish off this segment with the shady stat of the game. The shady stat of the game for this Portland game is the three-point shooting. I've been begging this team to do what they need to do from the three-point line, get up to double-digit three-pointers made, and hit 40% of them in the process. And finally, they did both of those things. In fact, they kind of blew past the percentage. Carolina got up to double digits, hit 11 three-pointers, but hit exactly 50%. That's fantastic for this game, especially because Portland was doing it on the other end. So the Tar Heels come off 11 of 22 from three. First time hitting double-digit threes in a game this season. First time hitting 40% plus of their threes. And as I said, they hit 50% of them. When you compare that to the first four games, the three-point percentages were 20, 25, 32, and 32. So yeah, this is a massive leap forward and hopefully a sign of better things to come as Carolina settles in. We'll see what happens today when they take on Iowa State. Speaking of which, there is no rest for the weary. Carolina today faces a defensive-minded Iowa State squad. Can this offense keep up their newfound efficiency against a team that hasn't allowed more than 67 points in regulation this year? We'll talk about it in just a second, but first, This episode is brought to you by Upside. Inflation has us all thinking about ways to cut back right now, whether it's driving less, dining out less, less at the grocery store, whatever. We can all agree it's so hard to have to cut back. That's why I started using Upside so that I don't have to. Anytime I go to the gas station, I get out the Upside app, find the closest gas station to me with a great discount, 
and I go use it. So now my family and I, we don't have to cut back as much on all those things because I use upside. And that gives me extra cash in my pocket for other things like getting that chestnut praline latte I love at Starbucks. To get started, download the free Upside app, use our promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with the credit or debit card, and just get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, friends, it is Black Friday. The Tar Heels are playing Iowa State in the second round of the Phil Knight Invitational. Iowa State knocked off Villanova in the first round. Villanova's been struggling just a little bit in the early going of the season, so it's actually not as surprising a result as you might expect. Iowa State is a defensive-minded team. Yes, they allowed 79 points to Villanova on Thursday, but that was overtime, just 67 points in regulation. But in Iowa State's first three games before that, allowed just 39, 43, and 53 points. So, I mean, it's not Virginia, but Carolina is going to have to be very efficient and very wise and very smart with the basketball. As you look at Kempom, the Kempom projections do look at a five-point victory for Carolina in this one. So you see uh, this team as a favorite, but you still have to go out and win the game. Part of this, part of the issue is the Cyclones rate as the best in the nation at causing turnovers per Kempom on 32.4% of opponents' possessions. Carolina has been trending in the wrong direction with turnovers, had 13 a season high against Portland. Now, again, you can maybe chalk some of that up to a sleepy Thanksgiving Day game, whatever it may be. But Carolina is going to have to hold on to the basketball. You've got these great ball handling guards in RJ Davis, Caleb Love, Seth Trimble coming off the bench although he had a very unproductive five minutes against Portland. So hopefully uh, better things are ahead today against Iowa State. Now, all of that about the Cyclones, but let me give you this caveat. Here's the thing. Prior to Villanova, Iowa State's schedule has been straight up laughable. Their highest ranked opponent was ranked 296th in the nation out of D1's 363 teams, and that's North Carolina A&T. That was their highest ranked opponent they'd played prior to Villanova. The others, they started the season with the literal worst team in all of Division I, Ooey Pooey, <laughs> the Jaguars out of Indianapolis there. Literally 363rd in all of D1. Their other game was against Milwaukee, who's 324th. So not exactly a murderer's row for Iowa State. But then they beat Villanova at the Phil Knight Invitational. What does that mean for Carolina? It all adds up to, I have no idea what to expect when these two teams match up because Iowa State hasn't really played anybody or done anything before this. And North Carolina, this will be their first Power 5 opponent. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect. So I'm going to give you some things to watch out for, though. First off, for Iowa State, keep your eye on guard Jaron Holmes, who is their leading scorer, 18.3 points per game. So he is pouring it in. 
a little bit of a bigger guard at 6'4". We'll have to watch out to see who Coach Davis puts on him. Does he employ Leaky like he often does against the team's best player, even if it's not a wing and it is a guard? Um, and if you think Carolina's been shooting poorly to start the season from three, outside of what they did against Portland, Iowa State is 26.9% from deep. Not exactly filling it up again it's their defense that's their calling card so let me give you four quick things that you can watch for as carolina takes the court first off we kind of just said it but who are the 2022-23 tar heels i feel like we don't know because this is their first power five opponent it feels like they've just been going through the motions a little bit obviously they're playing hard doing what they need to do but it's just different when you have this level of opponent. So are they more ready to go? Are they more adjusted to Pacific time zone now? It's not Thanksgiving Day. It's not going to be a 10 a.m. local tip. I'm still waiting on that complete 40-minute game. When's it going to come? Will it be against Iowa State today? When will the Tar Heels be fully engaged for a full 40 minutes on both ends of the floor? It's growing. It's progressing and hopefully it'll come today. Second thing you can watch for is Pete Nance's continued progression. How's he going to build on what he just did <clears throat> yesterday on Thursday against Portland? He's, it feels like he's getting more comfortable, both with this team, with his teammates, with the flow of things for North Carolina. And <clears throat> after an 0 for 3 start from 3 in the first two games, he's shooting 56.3% from deep since 9 for 16. Excuse me. Third thing I'm watching for in this game for the Tar Heels is, again, the depth. I'm just going to keep banging that same drum. Why? Because Hubert Davis, Coach Davis, promised it to us and that he wanted to utilize it. So for some reason, he's not. Is it that the starters aren't doing it? Is it that he can't trust the bench depth right now? They're not offering enough when they come in. I don't know. But, but we need to see it, and we need to see how they perform when they're in because the more you play these starters, the more injury-prone they can be, especially when you have this gauntlet over the course of a couple of days. <clears throat> and then the fourth thing I'm watching for is who is the dude in this game? All five starters had double figures against Portland. All of them are highly capable of doing so. So far in the first five games, Carolina has scored 20 points, has had six 20-point scores. Armando Baycott has done it three times and then one each for Caleb Love, RJ Davis, and Pete Nance. For me in this game, I'm going to predict a kind of a bounce back typical Armando Baycott performance after just, you know, by his standards, an average performance on Thursday. I expect to see like a 2015-ish type of game from him. I think he will be the dude in this game, but you watch for that. I'd love to hear who you think is going to be the dude in this game. Hopefully Carolina gets another victory, this one against Iowa State, and is able to move on to the championship game, which remember is not Saturday, day off, but then Carolina returns to action on Sunday. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels, and that does it for this week on Locked on Tar Heels. Stay tuned this weekend, Friday, Saturday, for some extra content as Carolina continues to play, and obviously the football game. But then coming up on Monday when we have a full show, again, we will recap the rest of this weekend of basketball. We'll recap the football rivalry game against NC State. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. 
you want to talk more about any of these games or anything else, you can email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Thanks for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen. Let me encourage you to make Locked On Sports today your next listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, our take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, for those of you watching, please don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave some comments. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on your Friday as you just let all the turkey settle down into your belly. Hopefully you're eating some great leftovers and all that stuff. And friends, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace.